0: Well, if you weren't here at the very beginning this morning, let me tell you for the first time, good morning, and it's great to be able to uh, to be with you and to study God's word together this morning. Um, We are in week five of Home Improvements, which means that we are at the very end of the series, which can be somewhat of a thing because it's kind of like going to the to a movie and getting in at the last fifteen minutes. You know, it's not ideal, but you get a little bit of what's going on Um, if you have not been able to be here for the rest of the series, or if you missed a week, just know I've got good news for you that all of the sermons, whether you want to watch them or listen to them, are on our website, BethlehemLakeville.org, and we'll be there for a very long time so you can go back and to listen and or watch. So as we've discovered throughout this series, while there's been specific application to the home... Really, and we've said this a number of times, it's been a relationship series. What we meant by that is the things that we learned about relationships could be applied in the home, but they could also be applied at work, in the neighborhood, at school. We talked about uh, how to handle bad blood that there might be between people that have kind of accumulated for years and years. We talked about when you first feel conflict, what should you do go quickly to them, right, and talk about it. Uh, We we talked about the importance of words and how the way we talk in any environment, especially in the home, can have a positive or a negative effect. Today, we're kind of going to tie a bow on the series, and we're not going to talk as much about relationships, but I wanted to do is to wrap things up to really just think about the home in general, in a broad sense, and to kind of get us thinking. I have a question for you to think about and to consider. No matter what age you're, you're at, or whether you have kids or are married or don't, if you had to answer the question, what would the ideal family environment look like and or feel like, how would you answer that question about the ideal home environment? Whether it be a sentence that you're thinking, or whether it be some adjectives, Let you think about that for a couple seconds. Um, I'm guessing that I could probably get pretty close to what almost all of you are thinking, at least a little bit of what you might be thinking. I have a statement here that I think probably gets to the heart of what most of us are hoping for our family environment. You want your home to be a happy, healthy environment where family members desire, that is, they want to be there. (laughs) You want your home to be a happy, healthy environment where family members desire to be. Would you say that probably hits at least one of the goals that you might have for your home? And the interesting thing is that this goal is irregardless of faith or whether a person believes in God or not, this is kind of a general goal that almost every family would want, a happy, healthy home where family members desire to be. I was listening to a father talk about how he and his wife were going to gauge success very early on in their parenting days. And the gauge that he used was very simplistic, and yet it, such, it, it struck such a chord with me. He said that their goal was that when their children were old enough that they didn't have to come home, that they wanted to come home. That when they were old enough they didn't have to come home, they still came home because they wanted to be in that healthy, happy environment. And I'm like, you know what, there's a lot that goes into that. But that's a pretty, pretty plain, pretty On cue goal that at least resonated with me. In part, I think all of us, in at least a little bit, would resonate with this statement. So how do we get there? How do we get there? Well, as a as a Christian, I would say that the the biggest piece that a family needs to be happy and healthy would be Jesus Christ. That He needs to be the foundation. But today, we're going to, to sort of talk about things from a different perspective, not factors that contribute to that, to this. We'll get to that later. But I want to I talk about one factor that I think is the biggest one that works against this, that there's this thing that can pop up in families that works against it being a happy, healthy environment, And so I want to tease that out a little bit, and then we're going to apply some scripture to help us fight against it. So to tease it out, I need to tell you something that happened to me a few years ago. Um, So my parents live in Florida. A lot of you know that. They actually live in Orlando. And um, so we get to go there about every other year or so. And, And most of the times that we go down there, not all, but most, we get to spend at least one day... At the happiest place on Earth depends what age you are, but uh, but at Disney World, and I think it was about eight years ago or so. There was this brand new ride uh, called Mission Space. I've got a, a little picture of the outside of of the ride, or at least walking where you walk into it, the entrance. And so, Mission Space is this simulation that ride where it gives you the the feel that you were an astronaut traveling from Earth. To Mars, okay? And a very enjoyable part of the simulation (laughs) is how they simulate how, in order to do this, like if this was the moon, how the, the shuttle has to sort of slingshot around the moon in order to have the speed and the physics and all that goes into it, in order to make it to Mars. And so they try to simulate this on the ride, which I wish they would have told me beforehand. Because the way they get you to feel a little bit of what the astronauts were going to feel is that they put you in this capsule that makes you feel like you're in a shuttle. They have a screen showing you certain things um, as far as uh, where the shuttle is going. But while you're watching the screen, the capsule is spinning like a Tilt-A-Whirl that drank caffeine all day, okay? And it's just spinning and spinning and spinning. But the thing is, the reason why it messes with your mind is the screen makes it look like you're heading around the moon. So your, your body, fe- you know, you're thinking you're heading around the moon, your brain is, but your body's actually spinning. And <laughs> if they had a button... Stop the whole thing in the middle of it. I don't care what anyone else would have said or how angry they would have been at me, I would have pressed that sucker right away. Stop the whole thing because what happened later in the day was worse than what would have happened, you know, if I would have stopped the button or pressed the button. (laughs) Because for the rest of the day, I felt absolutely miserable. Absolutely, I mean, we're in the happiest place on earth, right? So there's lots of joy going on and happy, smiley people and, and characters and princesses and music and all that stuff. And I just don't want any of it because my stomach is just in knots feeling horrible. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about the home and about this, this thing that can happen in the home that has an effect on it. It leads us to our first fill-in for today, that feelings inside of us can overpower, overwhelm blind circumstances outside. So at Disney World, there's all this good stuff going on, right? But the feelings inside of me, (laughs) right about here, (laughs) overwhelmed even the best circumstances outside. What's true at Disney World is true, for better or for worse, in all of life. Like, you could be experiencing the best circumstances outside, but if inside we're in a bad place, they're, they're not going to be good, right? Or maybe they're the worst circumstances ever, but when, when here it is well with my soul, like we sang, like, it's not going to be awesome, but it's going to be bearable, And so there's something about getting things right inside. So what's the attribute, what's the feeling that fights against happy, healthy homes, I believe, more than any other? The one that I want to talk to you about today is discontentment, is the inability to be happy about the circumstances outside because of what's going on inside. Now, I want to talk just a little bit about discontentment and have a a few disclaimers here. So the reality is, is there are some things you should be discontented about, right? So like, if you and your spouse or you and your family are not on the same page, you're not following God's plan, like, we should never be content with that. That's not what this sermon is about. It's not talking about a sin thing. It's talking about circumstances that God has put before us that we may not like or would not have preferred. The other disclaimer I want to share is that not every discontentment with circumstances is a bad discontentment. Like, there can be a healthy tension over wanting things better. Like, if, if you're not in a job that you enjoy like, it's okay to go to school or to put your resumes out to find more fulfilling or is more fulfilling, or if you don't feel like you're, 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 your income is able to, you know, supply all that is needed in your family, it's okay to, to work towards making things better. So how do you know whether it's healthy or not, that discontentment? Here, here's one gauge. If you're waiting to be happy until things change, it's probably not a healthy discontentment. Because when it's a a healthy tension, you still can be content even when things are not ideal. And that's the difference. Now, last thing. We all struggle with this. Some of us struggle with discontentment more. Some of us struggle with it less. But we all struggle with it. And this is especially for the leaders of the home. That is mom and dad. For you it is even more important to get this right. It's important for all of us, but when at home, it's even more important for us to get it right because the way we feel about things, the way we react to life, the way that we act does have a trickle-down effect on the rest of the home and can affect the entire environment. So, that's the tension. That's the attribute that can fight against happy, healthy homes. But what do we do about it? What does God have to say about this. Well, in order to At rethinking, I want to introduce you to a man who lived about 3,000 years ago. His name was Solomon. And Solomon, when it comes to the earthly things of life, you know, he was one of those guys that you could say had it all. I mean, for a time, he was the most powerful man in the whole world. He was rich. He had beautiful women. He had fame. He had everything. He had Everything going for him. And so when it comes to waiting on to be happy, we could probably say Solomon had almost all of those things, at least a little bit, okay? Well, when he was an old man, he looked back on his life and all the stuff that he had, and he wrote his observations. God helped him write his observations. And they're very, very interesting. He wrote them down in a book that we know in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. It, it essentially, that word means teach. This older man being the teacher as he writes about his observations of life. And I want to read some verses in chapter 3 of his book for our encouragement and for our redirecting. These are probably the most famous words in Ecclesiastes. That, in fact, even if you've never opened the Bible before or never even been to church, you probably will recognize them, especially if you're old. Okay? I'm sorry if it means different things for different people. But there was a, a, there was a band in the 1960s called the Birds, and they ripped Solomon off. Okay? They stole his lyrics, or the lyrics that God gave him. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'm going to warn you, some of you are going to be humming along while I uh, read these words. Um, There is a time for everything, turn, 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 (laughs) and a season for every activity under the sun, here translated under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. Time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. Time for war and there's a time for peace. These eight verses could be the basis of an entire sermon series on their own. But the thing that I want to point out as we read them or as you gloss over them in your service folder too is that this is a opposites. And when we look at this list, our inclination is to really glob on to the ones that we want in our life. It's to, to play favorites like, you know, um, I'd prefer a, a little bit of laughing and a little bit of dancing. I guess it depends what type of dancing Solomon is talking about, I guess. Or um, a time to be born, yes. A time to die, yes. Um, Scattering or gathering, I'll, I'll take the gathering. Building up or tearing down, I, I like to build. Tearing down, it uh, doesn't sound good. A time for war or a time for peace, I'll, I'll take the peace. A time for love or a time for hate, I'll take the love. And, and our inclination is to look at Solomon's list and to say, okay, this is kind of a, a buffet and I'll just you know, order off the menu. But the reality is, is what Solomon is saying as he looks back on life is that this and it's not what you get to choose. As an old man, he looks back on life and he says, you know what? I've observed something. And every life has all of these things. That I don't know of a life that doesn't have these stark contrasts and these different seasons. Every life has every season. That's our next fill in the blank. Every life of every season. Some seasons will be longer. (laughs) Some seasons will be longer for you than for others. Some seasons you will absolutely love and you wish it never changes. Some seasons of life you wish would just get over and you never want to go back there again. But every life, will have every season. And, and I think when we're in the, the midst of our discontentment and feeling like I'm the only person who ever feels this way, it's good to hear the words of a very wise man who lived, the, from a worldly perspective, one of the best lives you could live, and yet he observed. Every life has every season. Now, that's where the bird's song ends. At. Because where the good stuff comes is after that. Because now where we're at a place where we're recognizing that life is not always going to be awesome, you knew that already, and that life has different seasons, Solomon then draws us to hope. Verse 9 starts off this way. So what do workers gain from their toil? He's asking a question that you... What's the point in this season? (laughs) What's the point in all the work? What's the point in all the toil? What do workers gain from their toil? Verse 10. I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. This verse could sound like God is vindictive and how he just, you know, sort of uh, wants to sort of just lay burdens on us. Ultimately, and we don't have time to go way into this today, the reason why laid on us by God is because we disobeyed him as a people, as mankind. And so the perfect world, the perfect lives he intended for us will no longer be that way because of sin. But he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. This is so obvious in those seasons that we wish just would go away. This verse from Solomon tells us that God has a plan for every season and every circumstance and every difficulty that we're facing. And at the end of that plan, it's not just some discombobulated mess. It's something beautiful. But it doesn't seem beautiful. It doesn't seem like anything good could come out of the struggle that I've been having in this season because it just keeps going on and on, and I don't see what good could come from it. Well, maybe, maybe we need to view things from a different perspective. That's not what I'm saying. That's what Solomon says. Look at the next part of verse 11. See, that God who makes everything beautiful in its time has also set not just life to death, but he has set eternity in the human heart. Psalm is starting to get us to think okay, I don't understand this season. I don't understand what's going on. God's going to make it beautiful, but it might not be about this life, it might be about something bigger. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. See, there there are certain seasons of life where you're facing difficulty, and and you can look back on it and you I'm fathoming doing here because it became pretty obvious. You see the blessings that came out of the struggle of the season. But when it comes to the full plan, when it comes to some details of the plan, none of us can totally fathom what God has been doing from beginning to end. See, his perspective is my friends, is different than ours. Um, football fans, where does the offensive coordinator, that's the primary offensive coach for non-football fans, where does he usually coach from? Usually. I know Norv Turner does. Up in the booth or up in the, the box, right? Kind of where the, the suites are for those of you that don't follow football. Here's a question, why? Why does he do that? See the field better. See the bigger picture. In this game of life, where are we? We're struggling with each snap, trying to get the ball down the field. We see obstacles in our way. We see challenges. We don't always understand. We don't always know where to go. Where's, where's God? He's, he's with us, yes. Yes. But he sees what Nader sees. He sees the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is not just life to death. The bigger picture is life to eternal life. I want you to know in seasons of hardship, I want you to glob on to the, re- the truth that Solomon knew that God is going to make things beautiful in their time and that fathom what he has done from beginning to end, from eternity to eternity. See, the, the things of God, they don't always seem beautiful in the moment. You don't have to look any further than God's plan of salvation. Isaiah, as he was sort of prophesying 700 years before Jesus, wrote this Jesus that ended up coming true. That Jesus would have no beauty or majesty to attract the world to him. There would not be a lot beautiful from human perspective about Jesus. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and he was rejected by mankind. He would be a man of suffering. That doesn't sound very triumphant and familiar with pain. That doesn't sound very Wonderful, like one from whom people hide their faces, despised. I don't wouldn't choose that season. And we would hold him, the world would, in low esteem. This is not the plan for the Savior, God's Son, that we probably would have chosen if we had our choice. Jesus' existence in this life was not beautiful, it was not easy. You know, the beautiful people of the world, like the rich and the, the, the influential, pretty much all of them hated It was the, the despised that would give him the time of day. <laughs> there were times in Jesus' life where he said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. And then his death, from human perspective, sideline view, not beautiful at all. Bloody, bruised, Shamed, but from the author's position, it was working the salvation that you and I needed. His death, his resurrection. It was beautiful in its time, in God's time, as He <laughs> ended things with His glorious resurrection. What God did in the salvation plan what Solomon observed is also true for you, no matter what season you're in. Here's our next fill-in-the-blank. God is making something beautiful in your life right now. Whatever season you may be in. Whatever season you may be in. We don't get to choose the seasons of our lives. But God uses all of them. How could he use difficult seasons? What what happens to people who always get their way and everything goes well? They start thinking they're a pretty big deal. What happens when you only experience success? can get pretty arrogant. What happens when there's never any disappointment? Become pretty self-focused. You see... God uses these seasons to grow us to and ultimately, in view of eternity to eternity. So, application, as we wrap up this series and wrap up this sermon. There's this phrase that uh, we have been using with our children's ministry, and a, a little disclaimer, um, we did not come up with this phrase. Um, it's something we, we kind of liked and then stole from another church. Um, but it's one, nonetheless, that uh, I hope you think about. It resonated with me. Next slide. So it's just a phase. Don't miss it. So often in life, we think, okay, it's just a phase we're in. Let's get through it. But when we're understanding the, the happiness that we can have, verses 12 and 13, because of knowing that God has a plan, we can respond by saying, it's, it's just a phase, but I don't, want, I don't want to be so discontented in this phase that I miss the blessings that are all around me, like I did at Disney World. So kids, what this means is, you may want to grow up, but don't waste all your time wanting to be older, that you miss the blessings of going to school and having the security of home and being able to go outside for recess. What this single people? You may be praying that God would, would change your season, that, that um, you'd be able to get married, but don't, spend all, don't waste all your time waiting to get married, that you miss the blessings of the single life that God has put before you, which sometimes means um, more time <laughs> and more opportunities for things that you may not be able to do when you do have a family, and for those of you who are waiting maybe to have kids, don't waiting to be happy until that happens. But enjoy the season God has given you right now and the, the blessings that you have, finding your identity in Jesus, not being a parent. <laughs> or for parents, don't waste all your time while the kids are younger, wait, waiting and wishing that they're older. But get down on the floor and read with them. Have devotions with them, going to sporting events or music events. Enjoy the noise around the supper table and the mess that happens every day having lots of little kids, okay? Or parents that have older children. Don't spend all your time wishing things were the way they used to be. Enjoy having children of an age where you can talk about adult topics and the friendship that happens with adult children. Enjoy being grandparents and be able to help kids and, and get them amped up on sugar and caffeine and then giving them back to mom and dad and getting a good night's sleep. Like, enjoy that. And, and the list could go on and on and on. But you see, when you enjoy the phase you're in, you know what? You're starting to be content. We're starting to be what Solomon is talking about Happy, not because of circumstances, but because of a God who has up in all seasons. And that, my friends, as we wrap up this series, is my prayer for you as we all would like happy, healthy homes. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the family and the home, whether big or small, that you have given to us. And we ask that you would be with us as we look to make, through your direction and strength, some home improvement. Lord, forgive us for the times where we have been discontented with the life season that we're in. Forgive us for that. At the same time, help us to find purpose in every season, knowing and trusting that you have a purpose for every season. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. At this time, our ushers will be gathering our our thank offerings as we have a chance to give.